Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hill Spring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. I was going to be up here preaching but Rona hit the Kellogg house, and so they're doing fine. They're doing awesome, but they're they're just quarantining for a little bit right now. They're they're doing good. They they asked if you wanted to DoorDash them food to send to Matt Barnett's house. Don't know why, but what a blessing. So go ahead. I'll send you my address as soon as possible. But last week we talked about this is our year to obey. This is our year to go and do what God's called us to do. And today I want to talk about another topic. If this is going to be our year and we want to grow spiritually, we want to have it the best year of our life. This is my year. To finally heal. And that's what we're going to talk about today. This is my year to finally find some healing in my life. And so if you're with me today, let's pray, and then we're going to jump into this, and we're going to have a lot to talk about, and I believe God wants to move in your life. Let's pray. God, I love you. Lord, I thank you for today. God, I pray that you would just help me be able to accurately share your word, help us together to hear your word, and God, I pray more than anything else that, God, you be glorified. It's in your name I pray. And everybody said, all right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Here's one of the things that I love the most about my wife. And, and sometimes you guys, you know, Facebook message me or you text me and say, hey, you tell too many stories about your wife. And sometimes they're, they're not the most flattering stories. And so today I want to tell you a story that is flattering about my wife. My wife has, one of the things I love the most about her is she is a confident woman. She is, she is confident. Now, she's not arrogant, but she is confident in everything she does. She, like we went to New York a couple weeks ago, and my wife has never been to New York City in her entire life. She loves the idea of New York City, but she's never been there. And when we got to New York, we were walking the streets in New York, and, and my wife, for some reason, this is a flattering conversation, this flattering story, my wife just decided she knew everything about New York that day. And she knew all of the streets, she knew all the boroughs, she knew the alleyways, she knew how to get quote, closer to the White House, not even in New York, but she knew it. Um, she, she, she knew everything about it. Like she's just confident in what she can do, which is a great trait to have. And one of the things that maybe um, she lacks in her confidence, maybe, maybe she, actually she does not lack this in her confidence, but maybe this is something she could maybe um, just lessen is the way she is whenever she is being a nurse to me. And, and, and let, me, let me tell you a story. How many of you guys believe that when, a, when a, there is a complete difference between when a woman has a cold and when a man has a cold? How many of you guys believe that that's a thing? Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, so about a year ago, this would be January of 2021, I got the COVID virus, okay? And, and let me just tell you right up front, I got the big boy, all right? I got, I got the original OG COVID that just knocked you out. You guys are dealing with this Omicron thing. That thing's giving you a cold. This thing was whooping my butt, all right? It, it, I got the big boy, big mom, and it just took me down, all right? Like a year ago, I lost my taste and smell. I still don't have taste and smell today. I mean, this thing has knocked me out. Now, now, two things to that. A lot of people say, well, Matt, if you don't have taste, and that's really good for your diet, and I want to give you exhibit one, look at the profile, all right? I mean, I, I haven't stopped eating, all right? I'm still, I'm still eating like I can taste it all, but I mean, it's, it's just this what it is. I don't have smell either, but here's the deal. On Wednesday nights, these kids stink, and so it's nice to not have, not to have that in my, in my nostrils. I love you, but it's, it, it's nice, but so when I got COVID, my wife, um, as, as awesome as she is, she was confident in how she could treat COVID for me. And so I'd be isolated in my room, and she'd come in every morning, and I didn't have an appetite then. I couldn't eat anything. 
And, and she would come in my, into my room, and she'd give me just a bunch of pills. It'd be vitamins, it'd be uh, like allergy pills, decongestants, everything. She'd just give me a, a handful of pills, and then I would take them, and then I'd basically just be knocked out for most of the morning. Like I just, it was just, I was so tired all the time. Here's the problem, though. I'd probably take those pills around 8 a.m., but around 10 a.m., I'd kind of wake up, and I would just get, like, I just got sick. I was really nauseous. And so I'd go into the bathroom, and, I, and I'm sorry I have to give you this imagery, but I would go into the bathroom, and then I would just, like, I'm not, sorry, I'd violently uh, vomit everywhere. Now, now, let me just tell you, um, like, if I'm going to vomit, I make it a spectacle, all right? Like, this is not, this is not just a little kind of thing. Like, I, I throw things, I fall on my knees, I'm hitting the toilet. Like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going 100% when I'm doing it. But every day, I was just, I was just, she would come in, give me my medicine, I'd, I'd sleep, get up, and then I'd just go into the bathroom and, and throw up everything. It, it was crazy. And, and we started looking online, and she was researching, she was like, man, I don't, I don't see that in, in, in the coronavirus stuff. I, I, I don't see that as a symptom, just like vomiting all the time. And so, it kept going for a couple days, and, and the same process in the morning, coming in, giving the medicine, all that kind of stuff. What we didn't realize her mom called her and she said, hey, why, why do you think he's still throwing up? And she would walk through all the medicine she gave me. What we didn't realize, what my wife didn't realize, is that you can't take vitamins on an empty stomach, all right? That was not something I have ever heard of, not something I knew about. And so every day I was just piling down vitamins and just laying it out everywhere, all right? Now, so some of you are like, man, you know, maybe that's out of ignorance. Part of me thinks she listens to a lot of murder podcasts, and maybe, maybe she's trying to kill me, all right? And, and, and I understand I have a lucrative youth pastor salary. I get that, but um, maybe, she's looking, maybe she's looking for that. But every time I would get up, I just could not, I could not handle what I was going through. Today, we're going to talk about a guy who was down. He was down and out, and he wasn't getting better. Actually, it was the same every day. The Bible tells us for 38 years he was struggling. For 38 years he was laying down. For 38 years he couldn't get back up. This is a story out of John chapter 5 that I want to read today. John chapter 5, it says like this. After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there's a pool called Bethsaida in Aramaic, which was the five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the disabled, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he's already been there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Verse 7, sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water's stirred, but while I'm coming, someone always goes down ahead of me. Verse 8, get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man got up. He picked up his mat and he started to walk. How many of you guys have heard this story before? Yeah, it's one of the, the most amazing stories of Jesus' miracles and what, he's done, what he does for people. If you're reading this story, if you're reading it on your Bible, if you're reading on an app, what you should see or what you might notice is that as you're reading through this story, it jumps from verse 3 to verse 5. There's not a verse 4 in this story, which seems kind of weird. Now, if you're reading out of a King James Version, verse 4 is in there, but all the newer translations don't have a verse 4. So, so I just want to give you a little Bible stuff right here. So if, if you're wondering why, like I would wonder why, what, what we have learned in this is that in the old, in this version of this story, we have thousands and thousands of Greek manuscripts. 
And generally how we got the Bible is they take those, scholars will take those manuscripts and they'll basically put them side by side and they'll read and see which ones add up, which ones line up together. All of these, because again, in this society, they copied everything down. They wrote every story down. And so they take those thousands of manuscripts and see which stories all lined up. And that's what ended up in the Bible. That's a very, very simplified version of it. But that's, that's how it would end up in the Bible. And what most scholars think is verse 4 from the earliest transcripts they didn't see verse 4. Verse 4 actually says this. It says, Because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time and stir up the water, then the first one who got in after the water was stirred up, and he recovered from whatever ailment he had. Verse 4 is really kind of explaining verse 5, 6, and 7. That's, that's what it's doing. But in the earliest transcripts, they could not find this verse. What most scholars think is someone, as they were copying the story down, wanted to add some context to the story. And so later on, they wrote it kind of as a side note to it. And then it kind of made it into some of the translations. The newer translations, this is why the Bible is miraculous. And this is why you can trust the Bible. Because scholars have read through all of these transcripts, all of these that are dated so far back. And you can say, no, this is... This is the actual translation. So just to be safe, they made it a footnote. That's, that's why that verse is like that. If you're like me and you nerd out on that kind of stuff, that would make sense to you. So verse 4, it doesn't take away from the story. It just kind of gives context to the story, and that's why it would be a footnote. Does that make sense to everybody? Here we go. So back to the story. We see the man's been paralyzed for almost 40 years. For 40 years, he's laying down on a map. For 40 years, there's this pool that he's hoping that he can get into. There's this pool that he's hoping he can get to because that pool might one day heal him. That pool might fix him. That pool might let him have the ability to walk in. But for 40 years, he's laying there and someone keeps getting in front of him and someone keeps getting in the pool before him. This man, it should remind us of the people of our, man, maybe this guy relates to you. This is the guy who's always picked last on the team, right? This is the guy who's always overlooked. This is the guy who's always marginalized. This is the guy who he can log into Facebook and he can see all of his friends hanging out, but he wasn't invited to that party. This guy has to feel like he's on his own. He has to feel like he's marginalized and isolated away from everyone else. This is the person who's paranoid of everyone around them, the person who's paranoid of people. And so when he wants to find healing, he has an excuse to make. And this story is not, again, just a story of a man. It really is your story and my story. It's the story of the gospel that Jesus heals us and he, and he, he makes us whole, but it's our story. For some of us in this room, for, for maybe 10 years, we've been struggling with jealousy. For maybe 10 years, we've been struggling with pornography. Maybe 20 years, we've been struggling with pride. Maybe for 40 years, we've been struggling with something that we feel like paralyzed us for years and years and years. Like, there's whatever it is in your heart, there's something that God wants to heal you. There's something that God needs to heal inside of you. And so, today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of, what, what is that thing in your life? What is that thing inside of your heart that you need God to heal? What is that thing inside of your heart that you need God to fix? Because on our own, we might be able to band-aid it, but we'll never truly make it whole. So in your heart, in yourself, not, not your spouse, not even your kid, what is it in your heart today that you need to be healed from? Is it jealousy? Is it paranoia? Is it negativity? What is it that God wants to fix in your life? Maybe it's sexual sin. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's manipulation. The Bible tells us that Jesus walks up to the man. He looks around. He sees the man's been there forever. He looks around and says, do you want to be made well? Uh, the really, the, if you really want to know what the word there well is, he's really saying, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to come back together 
to your original intention? And that seems like a crazy question to ask a guy who's been laying there for 38 years waiting to be healed. Do you want to be made well? But here's the truth. Healing is always messy. And it's never really convenient. It's always a work. There's always something you have to put into it. This guy's been laying here for 40 years. Getting well would mean that he'd have to stop being comfortable with the life that he has. Some of you guys, that's the question God wants to ask you today. Do you really want to get well? Like, do you really want to be healed? Because you know what? Some of your healing might mean that you need to take your phone out and delete some contacts out of your phone. Do you really want to be made well? For some of you, to be made well, that might be saying, God saying, hey, maybe, maybe you need to start looking for another job. Or maybe it's God saying, no, maybe you need to stay where you've been planted. Do you really want to be made well? Maybe that's saying, hey, maybe I don't need to do the things that I've always done. Maybe I need to go a different route. Maybe God's calling me to do something. Do you really want to be made well? Maybe that means that oh, even though I was hurt in church, I know that the church is still what God's called me to, so I need to serve. I need to work. I need to do what God's called me to do. Do you really want to be made well? I want you to ask yourself that. Do you really? Do you really want to be made well? And as I've struggled through this sermon, that's been my question. Do I want to be made well? Am I ready for that? And I just keep coming back to this. I'm just tired of doing the same thing over and over and over again. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of acting like everything's good when everything's not good. I'm tired of acting like I, I want to be made well. And I hope that's you too. I hope you want to get past the thing that God has, the thing that God's kind of putting on your heart right now. Again, do you want to be made well? Verse 7, the Bible says that the disabled man, he said, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone always goes ahead of me. I always kind of picture the story as the man's kind of looking at the water. He's looking at the pool, not even really noticing Jesus. He hears him, but he's watching the water. And he kind of gives him an excuse. Yeah, I mean, I'd love, to be, I'd, I'd love to be healed, but man, someone always gets in front of me. He gives him an excuse. Even today, when we ask that question, do you want to be made well? You have an excuse. You have an excuse. Well, I don't, I don't do that. That's not my thing. I, I got to take care of this first. I have too many people I'm, I'm watching over. I can't, I can't work on that right now. There's always an excuse. Well, I'm misunderstood. I'm the one who's always pushed aside. I, 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 they always pick favorites. That, that, that's, just, that's how I am. That's how I've always been. My mom was that way. My dad was that way. That's how I've always been. An excuse, an excuse, an excuse. And some of us are living so much off of excuses that we're not living with the expectation that God can actually heal your heart. So if God wants to heal you, we should expect that healing. But so many of us are, nah, he won't do it for me. That's, that's somebody else. Again, I'm going to ask you today, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to get rid of that thing that you've been struggling with for so many years? Jesus gives him a path to healing, and it's really the same path that he gives to you and to me. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to jump into this, and we're going to go through the scriptures, and we're going to see what God's path to healing really is. Number one, you guys with me right now? Number one, here we go. First one is, he says, to get up. You have your notes? First point, get up. Get up. Recognize that in your life, there's a problem. Recognize in your life, you are a sum total of your decisions, what you've put into your life. The way you are today can't be blamed on your mom anymore, can't be blamed on your dad, can't be blamed on your ex anymore. It needs to be down to who you are. You are accountable for your own actions. I'm accountable for my actions. Do you want to get up? 
Are you willing? Because the man could have said, no, nah, I'm good. But he recognized there was an issue. Are you ready to recognize that there's an issue in your life? I want to do a poll real fast. How many of you guys in this room, all across the room, how many of you guys in this room, with the raising of hands, how many of you guys use a physical alarm clock in some way? You have a physical alarm clock. Not a cell phone, it's an alarm clock, an actual alarm clock. Some of you guys do, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, good. Now, how many of you guys use a cell phone for an alarm clock? Let's see, there we go, that's what I, that's what I figured. So I have a theory in my life. I, I'm, I'm not much of a sleeper. I don't, I don't like to sleep all that much. I, I generally am up by 5.30 a.m. just because I'm elite, and, and I just, I, I want to, uh, I love waking up in the mornings. I'm not a morning person, but I, I love being up in the mornings. It's the best time that I can get to read my Bible and, and, and watch wrestling. And so that, that, I, I like getting up early. Now, how many of you guys, another poll in the room, how many of you guys have to sleep with some kind of fan on in your room? Yeah, yeah, okay. How many of you guys have to sleep with uh, some kind of, like a TV playing in the background or some kind of noise in the background? Okay. So I want to I do this then too. <laughs> How many of you guys, uh, this, we're just polling the room so I know where we're at. This is going to work for an argument I have later. How many of you guys in this room have more than one alarm set on your phone? Oof. Give the hands up if you have three alarms on your phone. Four alarms. Five alarms. Just baby, put both hands up, baby. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, put them down. So in my house, in the Barnett household, we do not sleep without any kind of noise. That's not my doing. I got the CPAP machine, right? I sound like Darth Vader every night, breathing in, breathing out, all right? But, but my wife has to have some kind of noise playing at all points of her night. So I'm going to, don't be weird, I'm going to bring you into the Barnett bedroom real fast and tell you what, a, okay, uh, bring it in and we're going to talk about what a normal what a normal night looks like in our household when we're sleeping. And so here's the first thing. My wife needs to have the ceiling fan on. Mindy, if you don't mind. Sounds like this. For some of you, this is your sound. Not bad. We can handle that. I'd be okay with just this. But my wife also likes to use a box fan as well. She just brought that into the room. So Mindy, if you don't mind, we're going to do ceiling and a box fan. This is my room at night. Terrific, right? But it don't end there. My wife has some Alexas by her. And so my wife needs something else. Mindy, if you don't mind. We have the ceiling fan. We have the box fan. We got to add in one other thing. The rain sounds, all right? We got to add rain sounds in. It's nuts. But that ain't it. Mindy, if you don't mind. We have a ceiling fan, a box fan. We have rain sounds. But we have to add in one other thing. We gotta add thunder in this as well, okay? I'm afraid of thunderstorms, and so think about waking up in the middle of the night and that's going on around you. But that's not it either, all right? My wife also has added in this version of, she wants to watch Netflix at night as well. Bucks, ceiling, rain, thunder, Grey's Anatomy. Don't cheer for that. You should be booing yourself for that. This makes me shake when I hear it outside of uh, our normal night. It is awful. It is uh, trauma. And that's what I deal with every night. Here's my theory, though. A lot of times there's so much noise going around 
around us at all points that we tune out the noises that we should be listening to. That's why some of us have three to four alarms on our phone is because there's so much going on around us. And here's what I know about healing in your and my life. There's so many reasons and so many things around us that we don't really get to healing because we have other things that we've got to do first. We got to do other things first. We have to have other things put in front of us and the messy work of healing, that takes a little bit and I, I just got to tune that out for a little bit. I got, I got to get that out of my mind for a little bit. I got I to gotta get away from that. And so the question again to you today is, do you want to be made well? Are you willing to give up those sounds, those noises, those things that you're trying to put in front of you so you don't have to deal with that messy work? Do you want to be made well? Are you ready to start looking at your healing, whatever that is, and decide that today, I'm going to stand up, I'm going to be done with that. I'm not going to live there anymore, right now even. I know there are people in this room that are making excuses. Well, maybe I will later on, but man, it's so busy at work right now. Excuse. Well, I will, but man, I got so much to do at the house. Excuse. Are you, well, are you willing to be made whole? Are you willing to say, no, I, I see there's an issue here. I get it. I get that there's a problem here. In the Old Testament, there's a story of a woman named Hagar. In Genesis chapter 16, she, she really does have an unfair life. Like, if anyone had an excuse, it would be her. She's marginalized, she's victimized, she's really put into her place, and, and the Bible tells us she runs off into the desert to get away from everybody, presumably probably to give up, to give up on life, to give up on everything else around her. But the Bible tells us that God shows up in that desert, and he sees her, and he finds her in that desert. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 16 that she actually names that spot in that area, she names it El Roi, the idea that I have a God who found me even here today. Here's the encouragement for you today. In your healing, in that, in that mess that you're in right now, you have a God who still sees you in the middle of that. He hasn't left you, and you're not going to do it alone. He sees you. His eyes are on you. He's watching you. He's the God who's over you and yet watching you in the desert of your life. The God who sees Hagar is the one who sees you as well. Amen? Here's the second part. He said, get up. And the second one, he says, take up your mat. Take up your mat. I, I tried yoga a few years ago, okay? I just thought I was going to try it. I didn't realize that it's, oh, my Lord. I didn't realize that uh, that's why. I, I didn't realize that it was not meant for a fat man like myself to, play, to do yoga. Um, don't really get into all that stuff. But we got the yoga mat, and we started doing it, and it was, it was we, we did it for about a week, and um, we gave up. But I realized in all of this that as I'm reading this story, Jesus looks up to me and says, hey, hey, I want you to get up. He doesn't just say, get up and walk. He says, get up and then take up your mat. Get up and, and, and take that up. Get up and walk with it. Now, if you're like me, I'm, I'm a person who, like, I, I deflect pain. I don't want to deal with it. Like, like this sermon is hard for me because I don't want to deal with healing. I don't want to deal with the things that I'm struggling with. I don't want to deal with those things. And so what I end up doing, like, just transparently, like, if you've hurt me, a lot of times what I do is I just isolate myself. I just cut you out of my life. I don't want to deal with it because I don't want to deal with that kind of pain that it brings to me. That, 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 that's me. And so if it was me in this story and I'm looking at the mat and he tells me to pick it up, I'm like, you want me to pick that up? The thing I've been laying on for almost 40 years, you're asking me to pick that up and walk with it? Why? Why would he ask you to do that? What, what, what would be the point in that? What's he trying to get out of that story? And I think what he's trying to do here is if you want healing, you can't forget the healer. That if whatever you're walking through, if you really want to find healing, it's not going to be always up to you. It's going to be up to the God who's above you. He's the one who brings healing. He's the one who brings that strength to bring healing in your 
life. Your healing's gonna be worked out some by you, but ultimately it's gonna be by God himself. And so what he's saying here is the mat you're carrying around, the mat that you're walking with, this thing right here, what, what, what I need you to do is even when you start walking in healing, here's what I want you to do. Remember where you came from. Re- remember what you walked from. Remember where you were. Remember those times where you couldn't get up. Remember those times where you're broken down. Remember, because so easily what we do is we kind of make it into pride. Well, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. I did it myself. I I white-knuckled it enough that I got out of my situation. And and that's just called, I love you, that's called pride. You didn't do it yourself. It was up to God himself who did it for you. This is a story of the gospel that it's not up to you, it's really up to him. We have to take steps, but it's ultimately up to him. For all of us, we gotta remind ourselves that in some capacity, and this is gonna hurt me, but we were down here. And we were the ones on the mat. We were the ones laying here that we could not help ourselves. We couldn't get up. The pool's over there. We couldn't walk there. We couldn't get there. We couldn't crawl there. It was God himself that said, hey, get up. Get up, stand up, and walk. So many of us, we need to remind ourselves not that you're broken anymore, but that, well, we are broken, but not that you, that you have to live there anymore, but that there was a moment in your life when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and that it was by God's grace and his love that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that while we were yet on our own he stepped down and picked us up that he drew us to himself that's what we have to remember and my lord i don't think i can get up but i'm gonna try he tells me he says get up pick up your mat don't forget where you came from don't forget who healed you you don't have to live in some kind of remorse all the time but you need to remind yourself that my healing isn't by me it's by god on high and so This is the power of your story, because here's what I think he's asking. He's saying, hey, remember your story. When you're walking around, someone says, why are you carrying that? Well, it's a funny story. When I was a teenager, my story, when I was a teenager, I was broken, lost, and God himself, he called me to him. That I was in a ninth grade class, and a young girl asked me to go to church, and I went to church, And I got saved, and my life was radically changed. That's my story. What's your story? It's a reminder that you should be so excited. The Bible tells us to to remember the joys of our salvation. And here's what I think. Some of us have forgot. Some of us forgot what happened when we got saved, the wonder of Christ that we had inside of ourselves. Some of us who've served in churches forever, some of us who were excited about what Jesus did in our heart, some of us have kind of got past that, that season of life. And I think that Matt reminds us of the fact that we should be excited about what Jesus has done in our heart, that he took us from darkness to light, that you aren't who you are anymore, that you're a new creation, made new in Christ. It, it, it just, it, I'm not trying, this is not pride, this is all to God's glory, but uh, we talked about this on Wednesday. I was kicked out of the youth group that I'm currently serving today. Do you, you understand that? And that's given a passion inside of myself that we as youth workers, we don't meet teenagers where they are. We're not trying to do that. I mean, other youth ministries, they might want to do that. We don't want to meet a teenager where they are. We actually want to pull them up to what God's standard is for their life because that's what happened to me. That's my story because God loved me and he called me. And remember your story. Remember what God did in your heart. Remember what he's done for you that. Remember the praying and praying and praying about the job that you have today that you hate right now, but that you prayed forever and God brought that to you. Remember what he did. That's what he's telling him to do. He's saying, pick up your mat and don't forget all I've done for you. This is the story. Your healing comes from reminding yourself that you have a healer. Some of us can't pick up our mat and rejoice in God because our hands are too full of worldly things. 
I'm going to let that lie. I have a lot more on that, but I think we should keep going. You guys still with me? Number three, first thing he does, he says, stand up. Then he says, pick up your mat. Last thing he just says, walk. He says, walk. Get up and walk. Get up, Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly the man got well, picked up his mat, and he started, he started to walk. See, it takes faith to stand up. It really takes fearlessness to pick up the mat. But a lot of times, most of the time, probably all the time, it's going to take fellowship to walk this out. You can't do this alone. And I, I know, I know. I know we've said this over and over and over, and I know you know it's Small Group Sunday, and so you're going to hear the pitch of, well, well, you need to get into a small group. I know that you've already prepared yourself for that. I know you've already made it in your mind, hey, when they close out, we're walking right out that door, we're getting our car, we're going, because that's not us. I know you've done that. I get that you've done that, but here's my plea to you. Don't. Don't. The old theologian says you can't have God as your father without the church as your mother. If it's just you and Jesus, that's not God's mandate on your life. It's just not. The community of God around you is what God's called us to, that we have to be together, that we're family. And I'm not saying this because I want to add something to your schedule. I'm saying this because if you want healing, you find it by locking arms with other broken people. And, and here, here's what I know. Here, here, here's, here's the truth. Small groups aren't convenient. Community's not convenient, but it's necessary in our life. This man got up, he walked his healing out. Do you know what happens? A little bit later in the story, Jesus goes and finds him. You know where he finds him? He finds him in the temple, in community, around other people. His first steps were to go to the temple, the place that he wasn't allowed to go into, the place where he got to go into, find other people around him and walk his healing out. And so for many years, we have preached over and over and over, you're gonna find forgiveness with God, but if you wanna find healing, it's through one another. That's what the Bible tells us, to confess your sins one to another, that you may be healed. And I know in this room, we have the tendency to withdraw. Hey, can I encourage you, don't let, don't let someone who sinned against you determine your future. Don't, don't let them have that power over you. Hey, can, can I be honest with you? Again, you're not just gonna stumble into community, community's actually built. I mean, you guys, it's gonna be inconvenient, but you've gotta make it a priority. I get you have soccer, I get it. I get you have football. I get you have fantasy football. I get it. But make this a priority in your life. Just try, just try. Because your healing might come from someone else in your small group. Try together. There's 20, 25, I don't know how many small groups we have that you can get connected into. Maybe you're new to Hillspring Church. You've, you don't even know anybody here and you just want to find a place. Miss Kelly right here and Pastor Will, they're leading a new to Hillspring group. That's easy for you. Easy connect point. Maybe you're a couple and you're like, hey, I, I, I wanna, we want to grow our marriage together. There's couples groups over there. Maybe you're under 30 years old and you want to get into the sub-30 group. We are checking IDs, but we, we want you in there. Like, like, there's groups for you. And here's what I know. So, and I, everyone say, I love you, Matt. Here's what I know. So many of you are going to come to church, and you're going to be here, and you're going to go through a crisis, and you're not going to be in community, and then you're going to get mad at the church because it didn't do anything for you when it's right there for you. And you're going to blame God, and you're going to blame us. 
And I'm sorry if you've went through that. I'm sorry if you've been hurt by church, but it doesn't mean you stop church. It doesn't mean you stop community. I, my wife and I couldn't have went through what we've went through without this community. And it's not because I'm a pastor. Dude, I don't care about being a pastor. It's because I know I had you guys. That's what this is about. Find community. Make this a priority. Maybe you have to reset some things in your life to make this intentional for your life. And guess what? You might go to a small group and be like, hey, that wasn't mine. I'm, I'm not there. There's other small groups. Small groups, they have thick skin. They know. They're going to come to small groups. They're going to see maybe you're not there. They're going to find another one. That's fine. They get it. But don't just give up. I love you. And I want you to be healed. And I want to be healed. And it's going to come together. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.